Listening Dog Media. Kisses in the Dark, a podplay series from Mank May Productions and Listening Dog Media. With performances from Kyle Rowe, Pamela Mayos, Stephen Gidwani, Patrick Price, and Ryan Clayton. Also starring Rhiannon Clements and Con O'Neill. Written by Marty Ross. I walked to rain on the window. Wintery dawn, hardly any light in it at all. Tom fast asleep, still snoring. How he loved those few nights he got off, burying himself in sleep like he never could. Not really, during the days. Handsome, he looked. Sort of. All that anger in him gone. Until when? And here I was, suddenly marrying him. Was I? Could I? I licked that itchy scar on my lip. Then I saw I'd slept in slightly. My day to open the cafe. Clawed her off getting her roots done. I climbed out of bed, quiet as I could, made toast and coffee, and slipped out the door. I was just closing it when I heard him stir awake and call for me. Okay? He called. Something had frightened him. Something in his dream, and he'd awakened feeling, well, alone. I called across, I love you, and closed the door. The morning was as cold as it was wet. Wind blowing in off the rough sea, wind to cut a slice or two off your bones. Long ten minutes in the draft rattled shelter waiting for the tram, but at last, one came. The short run along the prom, I looked out the misted window onto the south pier and remembered my dream. All that fire. Now nothing but rain. I was off the tram five minutes later, walking up the front towards the cafe, key in hand. But I couldn't unlock, not easily, because of a blockage in the doorway. Hello? Some crumple of a body, all pale blue plastic and threadbare tweed and saggy nylon, bottle blonde hair and wrinkles of skin. I thought at first it was a dead body. Hello? Then, guess what? The dead body came alive. Hello? Oh, God. Who's that? Catching at me, hard in my sleep. Cat claw in the crib. Baby's breath all sucked out and nothing left. Nothing. I'm no one, no one. Don't, don't kill me, please. I'm just, I'm just... Not you. 
No, you're not him. No, you, you're not you. Who am I told you? Nobody. Just keep in here. Is that rain? Cold, cold rain. I'm drowned, you see. Cold and drowned. Drowned a long since and shivering still. Bones made of ocean. Cold ocean stones. Way down the body. Look. Look how I'm lying here. Oh, it was that old bag lady. That sad old alky you see sometimes wandering about the prom begging after small change. 900 years old in a thin blue packamack. Wrinkled tights out of the mummy's tomb. Mustard yellow hair she must have died in a crack sink or some public toilet. But I'd never seen her sleep in a doorway before. Though, funny enough, and I spotted her outside just the day before. She struggled up, slipping about on the wet step like a drowned bloody spaniel. Shivering that went through her. You'd have thought she'd have caught the plague off that doorstep. Well, I couldn't let her go stumbling off in that state, now could I? Come back! Come here, you'll be needing a cup of tea. So I brought her in, boiled her up a cup, I put on some toast and fried her a couple of sausages. She took that tea mug in two wrinkled hands, gulping the steam heat down so fast, I worried she'd blister her throat. But it just gave her an appetite for shoving those sausages in her mouth long ways, biting and chewing through the fatty flesh so fast, you could see her yellow dentures rock about between the bloodless lips. I never saw anyone look so desperate and happy at the same time. I had to keep checking my watch. By that time, we were due to open in about five minutes. I asked her what she was doing sleeping out there. Doing? Nothing. Nothing I was doing. Waiting. Watching. He, he's been round here. Oh, I don't know. None of my business. Him. No one. Nothing to do with me. I just seen. You know. Things I've seen. Shadows in the street. Living thing all made up of dead things. Cat full of feathers gulped down. Head like a monster's. Hungry, so, so hungry. Beat like a crow's. Cook them all down, half a chance. I'm trying to tell you. I'll tell you what I've seen. Well, this was the problem. Old girl getting agitated, rattling at the table. And meanwhile, my first paying customer of the day was rattling the locked doors to get in for the Friday bombs. When she saw them there, she froze. I told her I'd get her another cup of tea then opened up and got on with what I was there for. Tracy toddled in ten minutes late, but it was a busy enough morning, the rain washing all sorts in off the side streets, and I needed her help to keep ahead of things. Catch was that old girl kept sitting in the window, stringing out that second mug full of tea long as she could, and me having no idea if she'd pay up, or rather, damn well knowing she wouldn't. Couldn't. And all that time, every time I passed, I could hear her muttering under her breath in that crazy way. Mm. Just sit here, mm. out, out the rain. Mm. Clear the bad, bad things, the bad, the bad streets, or down on the beach, madness walking, casting its shadow, even in sunlight. Mm. No sun today. Sit here, cup of tea, get dry. Mm. Them that's dead, well. Them that's at the bottom of the sea. Mm. 
and sunk it deep. And me, just minding my own business. What did I say that was so bad? And then, of course, in walks Gorda. Hair spruced to the roots, and the first thing she notices is that old wino in the window. And the first thing she says is, what is that old wino doing sat in my shop? Quickly followed by, has she paid for that tea? And what's that she's had, a bloody fry up? She told me to get the old girl out of there and fumigated after she was gone, which had other customers turning their heads. So it was down to me to discreetly shift her out into the rain. I was tense for some kind of alcoholic outburst, but she looked up at me with a face like a wrung out dishcloth and rose from the table saying something like, Sorry, love. Sorry. I just, I was frightened. See? Seen what I'd seen. I wouldn't be frightened. And came to, came, I'd seen, I'd seen, came to say that I'd seen. Haven't you? Didn't you? Yesterday, was it? Yes, yesterday. Take care. I almost had her steered out the door when she glanced around the rainy street outside. And then suddenly she was clutching my arm. So hard it hurt. Yes, yes, came to let you know. Have you here? There's a shadow clinging to the walls. A cold tide rising. And it's breathing round your door. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm sunk in murder. Stink of it, choking me dead, and I'm telling you, telling you, no time, no, got to go, got to go, go in now, go. Oh, God help us all. And then she was running off, off along Yorkshire Street, wrinkled blue raincoat flapping about her. And as I turned to go back inside, I glimpsed another figure, dark against the yellow shutters of the closed-up paranormal place across the street. Even as I saw him, he was turning away, heading in the same direction as her. He had a black hood up, and underneath that hood, I thought I'd caught a bit of a nod in my direction, as if it was someone I was supposed to know. And black hood and black overcoat was all I could see. He'd almost followed her all the way around the next corner onto Foxhall Road, before it clicked in my head that he looked a bit like that bloke I'd bumped into on the landing the day before. Mr. Upstairs. And then he was gone, and I was about to make my way back inside when Claudia shouted we needed more milk. And could I pop round the corner and get some? I went back in, grabbed my coat, hurried out. I could get some round Fox Hill Road. I was halfway around the corner when I heard screaming at the other side of it. I was just minding my own business, you know, trying to get away from you know who. Because who'd have known he'd be there, looming, watching, watching me. I didn't say nothing. Got to get away fast, 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 round the corner before the devil catches you at the crossroads. Turn the corner, turn, turn the corner and... No, boys, a couple of them, see, seen these boys, woof boys, woof with me last time, out by the seafront, looking woof at me right now. Look at this, mate, coming down the street. It's Mardy, mad old Mardy, Mardy, oi. What are you doing, flapping around in the rain, you mad old duck? Oh, you've been drinking, Mardy. Disinfectant. Smell of you, you could use some. Got it there in your handbag, have you? If it's out worth drinking, me and my mate here could do with a swig. Come on, let's see, Mardy. My handbag, you stupid old cow, let's see. 
Hey, don't be like that. What you reckon, mate? She's got money in there, begging money, a scrounging for coppers for cheap vodka and cough syrup to wash it down, money. Hand it over, you old souse, now. Help! Help me! Someone! I turned the corner and found... not what I was looking for. That fella in the cotton hood, he was gone. Instead, what I saw was the old girl being attacked by two kids. Hard-looking kids, 16 or 17. Real seaside tearaways, hooked on fucking around in amusement arcades and other highs, cheap and nasty as the fast food. One of them was a big, fat, stupid kid, frizzy ginger hair and a shiny tracksuit. But the one taking the lead, the one fighting with the old deer for control of a big plastic handbag, was a real wolf cub in a PVC jacket. Black hair greased so tight and hard it could snap a comb in half. Face narrow and sharp as a blade flicked out. Give us the fucking bag, you old drunk. Leave her! Oh, that was maybe the wrong thing to say. Because the next thing I know, after he'd torn the big yellow handbag from the old woman's hand and chucked it aside, him and his mate were moving in on me. I backed away. Foxhall Road, you know what it's like down that end. Bleak as a back street at the end of the world. Half those places shut up for winter. I was backing towards one of those shut-up shops. It, it's rusted shutters all pulled down. Some of the rubbish from inside heaped out onto the street, including three or four window shop mannequins. Bold and naked, propped against a rusting drainpipe. This poor bloody female was backed up tight against their pointy plastic imitation of the female body, wondering how much damage her own body was about to take. Frightened, sweetheart. Of me? Oh, no need to be frightened. Won't do you fuck all good with a mouthy cow like you. It's better she just shuts up and takes what's coming to her because it's coming fast. Oh, don't shiver. I'll stop you shivering. I can make you stand still and cold as them dummies sticking their sits in your back. You like that? Because I'm the evil bastard that can make you shake so deep you'll never shake no more. How'd that be? Oh, you're shaking already. I'm close enough to feel it now. Close enough to... Oh. Suddenly, he wasn't there anymore. Not right in front of me anyway. I looked down. He was on the ground, flat on his back in the middle of the road, his face all split, or his nose at least, right up to the bridge. Blood in his eyes and being spewed out his mouth. Another figure was stepping alongside me, dressed in black. Black hood pulled right up. Only part of him I could see that wasn't black, his pale hand still in a fist. Blood on his knuckles. The other kid with the ginger hair was moving towards his fallen mate, but only slowly. Uncertain of what kind of smack he might get if he gets too close. The bloody-faced kid seemed struggling for a moment to stay conscious then smacked his own hand across his face, clawing blood aside, blinking a clearer view into dazed eyes. And he was trying to push himself off the tarmac, twitching to get his arm back. The figure just at the side of me took another step forward, leaving me slightly behind him. The boy got a closer view of whatever was looking at him from beneath that hood and suddenly, suddenly he was wriggling back, grabbing at his mate for help in getting on his feet. 
He spat a glob full of blood and then he was hurrying away up the street, dragging his pal with him, not without a shout over his shoulder. Bastard! You fucking wait, you! Come on! The figure just in front of me looked down at the blood on his scuffed knuckles, then turned to me. And though the rain was falling heavy as ever, pushed the hub back. You all right? I said. It was Mr Upstairs. Yesterday, in the shadows of the landing, he looked vaguely middle-aged. Older than me, anyway. Though handsome with it. Silver fox type. Now in the rainy daylight, he seemed younger. His hair darker. Though a set of features, lengthy, jagged, almost like a face that had been carved out of rock on the beach. Could have taken for an ancient, even so. I told him, yes, I was all right. But I wasn't sure about the old woman. The old woman herself who huddled away on the other side of the street made clear she was all right enough to continue on her way, stumbling into a run up the street the same way the boys had gone. Nothing to do with me, all this blood blood. Keep my eyes shut, bad dream. My whole life a bad dream. I won't tell, I won't tell. Strike me dead if I... Strike me dead. And she was gone. The thin blue Mac flopping about her. Poor old soul. I hope she's all right. She'll be fine. It's fine as anyone in her state could ever be. He said. I told him she'd been hanging around the cafe talking nonsense. Lost in her own little world, poor soul. There are poorer souls than that. You think so? Hmm. Living in your own world isn't the worst thing. Most people have to live in someone else's. You live upstairs from me, don't you? At the Toledo? Yeah. John Tusk. How do you do? He held out his hand for me to shake, then noticed all over again how bloodied it was at his knuckles. He started to draw the hand back. Caught hold of it. Suggested he come round the corner with me, get it washed and bandaged. He looked at me as if no such simple kindness had ever been suggested to him in his life before. He gently drew his hand free of mine cradling it in his own left hand. No, it'll be all right. More his blood than mine. I don't for nobody to think I made a habit of this sort of thing. I know the old girl, Morty. Uh, not personally, but she does tend to haunt the seafront and she's too much of an institution around here for me to be happy about our younger residents disrespecting us all. You're a caring fella. I'm at least as grateful as the old girl is. Oh, my name's Kate, by the way. Kate McCobb. Yeah, I know. You know? I like to know who my neighbours are. As you see, not everyone in this town's in town friendly. No. So you're glad of the friends you've got? <laughs> Come on, round the corner. Clean your hand, have a cuppa, and don't on me. You sure, isn't it? By the time I've got the milk I came to get out, I'll have work to be getting on with. Serving tables? Hey, don't look down on it. It's not a town to get rich in and the holiday season's over. You've got to take what you can get. Of course, Joe. I didn't mean to suggest that. I wondered even if you might join me for something better than tea and a donut. He didn't look the kind of fellow that made that kind of suggestion to every girl he bumped into in the back streets. And I wasn't the kind of woman who was biting off that kind of suggestion much anyway. Not since Tom collared me for a pint way back when. 
in that mouldy armpit of a pub in Moss Side, making me offer to put me out of my reach of any other offers. Until that offer came my way, and all I can think of was to say, I can't. I'm working. What's your are? I have to get back. What's your do? What were you doing out there? What was I...? Outside the cafe. I saw you. I was passing by. Lucky. Lucky? Well, for us. Yeah. Very lucky. I'm glad I could be of help, neighbour. Now, uh, I should get it off and, and wash his blood away. So you should. I told you, at the cafe. I know where to go. Don't worry. You're used to it. Sorry? Washing other men's blood off your knuckles. They don't get the wrong idea about me. You're a sweetheart, I'm sure. No, not exactly, but... But I better be getting along. I'll see you around. You will, yeah. Wait! Wait. Here! It was the old woman's handbag. An outsized thing in hot yellow plastic, lying in the gutter just behind where he stood. I stepped back alongside him as he picked it up. The catch must have come loose. A couple of things inside tumbled out, splashed in the puddle at the side of the road. I tried to quickly both up, but couldn't quite manage it with one hand, so I picked up the naked Barbie doll with no legs and no eyes and green seaweed wrapped round it and round in her long blonde hair. And he picked up the black high-heeled shoe, all packed out with sand and bits of broken seashell. Tiny crab crawling around the toe. We both stared a moment at these two funny, peculiar bits of, well, rubbish. What else? And then he was stuffing the shoe in the bag and practically grabbing the Barbie off me, clicking the clasp tight shut on both of them. I'll find her. I'll give you it back. Funny things to be having in your handbag. I make do with makeup, aspirin, the person before. There's no one else quite like her. I'll catch up. And then he was hurrying away, away up the street, the way she'd gone. And it was only as he went, I fully remembered how I'd dreamed about him in the early hours of that morning. Him and me. But I think it was him. Fuck that, I knew. knew more than ever it was him. And knowing it put a shiver in my skin, right under my wet over and my damp uniform. And it was a sweet sort of shiver. Damn, that old bitch. Following me everywhere, haunting me like a fat blob of bad conscience. What a fucking conscience do I need? I could kill you and every other scrap of cunt on the prom and not break sweat and get what? You go rooting around in my leavings, taking bloody souvenirs for what? To show to what some fat ass Lancashire cop wouldn't know what in a million fucking years. The thing that I am. Aren't you mad enough to know that truth? Turning up towards the prom, I took out the shoe. The shoe I knew came off the other girl down under the pier just the other night. I dumped it in a chip, fat-smelling wheelie bin. 
then hit the front, looking, looking, and remembering. A minute ago, her, Kate, she called herself Kate, who asked that pertinent question, what the hell was I doing roaming about outside the cafe again? Good question indeed. For what was I after? Morty was a simple thing to chase and the twist of my own thoughts. And there she was, Morty. I caught sight of her by the turning for Madame Tussauds, hurried after her. She was bothering an old couple for change by the waxwork store. Spider-Man and the Hulk looming at their shoulders. She saw me coming and hurried on. I caught up with her just beyond, in the narrow alleyway between one of the fancier fish and chip shops and the Funland Amusement Arcade. Confronted, she was a usual contrite self. What? What's that? Oh, hello there. You, again. Minding my own business, I was. Popping along the prom, 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 promenading, promenade. Just, just, what's that? A bag? Bag? A woman's bag? No. Bag for a blog like you. My, my bag, is it? Mine? Oh, yes. Them boys. Bad boys. Such badness around here sometimes. Badness to drown the whole town. But, 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 but. Can I, can I, can I have it back? I gave it back to her. She took it, gladly. Then looked up at me suspiciously. Then carefully unfastened the clasps, opened it and peered inside. Yeah, Mordy, I told her. It's a little lighter. You were carrying stolen property after all and I stole it back. I tolerate you, Mordy, as one phantom to another. Only so far. Stole? I didn't steal. I saw a girl stood upright down on that sand last week or was it last last week or last month or a hundred years ago and, and she was a sight like the sight maybe I once was down on that sand and she sank away to nothing and I sank away to this and now you can understand sir can't you I would clutch clutch yes what's left clutch and keep quiet and don't don't look at me like that not like that I won't say anything listen to me this mouth is, sir, and heart and eyes too, they're all filled up with sand. I'm nothing, you see, nothing clinging to, well, a, a few tiny somethings. I'm back full to remind me, you see, what the solid world was like once. I pushed her gently against a brick wall to one side of Funland's side door and was about to remind her how easily I could make a nothing of her grains of nothing blowing in the breeze of the sea when I heard some kind of uproar inside the amusement arcade. Squinting through the doorway, I saw past a lot of slot machines and video games blazing in the gloom. Some bloody-faced figure arguing with an attendant in a red T-shirt over what looked like entry to the toilets in the back. The bloody-faced figure pushed the attendant aside and I saw it was a boy whose face had thumped ten minutes before, his ginger-haired companion alongside. He half-pushed the toilet door open, looking over his shoulder to hurl some curse at the poor underling trying to keep Funland from looking like a field hospital in a war zone. And as he did so, he came close to glimpsing me through the open door. I drew back a little, and only then noticed Mordy running off out into the prom. I let her go yet again and crept off 
likewise. Reminding myself how little I had to fear from her and how much I had to be watchful of in myself. Stitches. What the fuck are you on about me? Stitches. I don't need fucking stitches. What? This fucking limp-wristed smack. I got caught off guard. That is all. If the fucker had took a swing at me and I was ready, it wouldn't have got halfway close. It's a bit of blood, that's all. Blood for... Spitting out and... Snorting out. Christ. What would my mum say? Bastard. Where did he come from, anyway? Who the fuck was he? Oh, look at his blood. Oh, let me wash it off. Fucking mess. Found me shirt, too. Who the fuck did he think he was? Let me catch that fucker again. Let me. Does my nose look broke? I'll break him. Break his fucking neck. His neck and every fucking... What are you looking at me for? I ain't scared of no fucker like him. Gloomy fucker stood there like a fucking second-hand Dracula in an Oxfam funeral coat, face like a fucking marble headstone. And all account of was having a laugh with a stupid old wino. A laugh? I'll catch up with him. All fucking six foot ten of him. Break him down to size. See, does anybody think the hard fucker looking at me back in this grotty mirror here is going to stand and take this shit, hey? Look at him. The shit he's taking his life and still he's... Fuck! There. Look. More blood. And a crack in the fucking shit house mirror. Blood where it belongs this time on my fucking fist. Wait till I get to it on his... These fucking knuckles. Wherever that bastard is, I'll find him. I'll brush his jaw. I'll bury him under a fucking tram line. I'll do a look. Oh, come on. I'll buy a cheap t-shirt on the way back. Mum will kill me if she saw me on this state like this. This one. T-shirt. And a last of blast. I walked the day out, as I so often do, hungering for the fall of night, for the dark's better chances of feeding my particular need. Around me, the arcades and amusements made their din, showed their lights, a few rain-swept figures struggling after diversion, while the emptiness in me, that emptiness raging with the dead, ate at my guts. I bought a hamburger from the kiosk on the promenade, tried to eat it, fried onions slopping out the sides but my belly couldn't hold it. I tried to throw it in a rubbish bin. The bin was overflowing already. The half-eaten burger fell out onto the prom. A stray dog picked it up, a lanky, dirty, yellow mongrel. I saw the dog had two heads. Each with a half of the greasy burger and its maw fighting over it. The meat split apart was gulped down both heads, turning a fanged sneer my way as they licked the grease around their snouts. I looked out to the sea. The moon had the same bone-white look I saw in the fourfold eyes of the dog. I hurried away, up the prom, 
past those too blind to see all that I, and for so long, could not escape seeing. Got home. Leftovers from the cafe for tea. Tom all hugs and talks of the future, calling me Mrs Tolland over the dinner table already. I did my best to smile along, but some other thought that sat in the back of my mind, a memory of a certain someone else, stood looking at me in a rainy side street, seeming to look deeper into me than Tom, God bless him, as he made nudge-nudge jokes about married life. He sensed this, I think, and got more serious by the time we were finishing off the apple tart. Time was getting on. It was dark outside the windows. He got up to get ready for heading out onto his shift. He paused, looking at me hard as he zipped up his jacket. I get scared sometimes. You heard, on these long bloody shifts. Night watchman for a switched off amusement park. Them rides snaking in and out of the night sky. All them fiberglass cartoon characters put there to charm the kids. Stone cold dead. Colours on them drained by the dark. Till your torch being hits off them and the brightness leaps out of you. <laughs> like a nightmare you'd have as a kid. Somewhere under your bed or jumping out of your wardrobe. I don't get on with the other watchmen. Fat Bob and that lot. Heads full of shit they read in the sun that morning. Like racism, TV gossip and... Football transfers. I just, you know, wander. Shine the old torch around. <laughs> I'm wondering how the fuck I came to be there. Pleasure Beach. Okay. The shows I once wanted to take pleasure on. I'm with you, Kate, always with you. Don't let me think, not for a moment, that if them shows are still out there somewhere, you won't sail there with me. Yes, I know you said yes. And yes, I know yes should be enough, but still. Every other thing in this world that ever made me a promise went and broke that promise. Don't break your promise to me, Kate. Don't, or uh, that the time. He left. Through the window, I watched him start the short walk towards the pleasure beach. I loved him. But hadn't I always been looking through a window at him? Wouldn't there be a pane of glass between us, dusty, rain-spotted, even at the wedding ceremony? I hurried northward up the promenade. What was I looking for? Couldn't find it anyway. The rain was dying to a drizzle, but a harsher wind was blowing off the sea. White caps on the black waves like bones being washed up. Shapes behind and above, around the naked girders of the tower. Shapes even I couldn't see, not properly. Dark against dark, though. I'd been evading them my whole life long. I must have been walking like a madman, to the eye of anyone less horribly sane than myself. Needing to get clear of the open spaces of the seafront, I turned inland up Talbot Road, heading past even smaller, plainer shops, past the train station, past Sainsbury's and the, the Mecca Bingo, all the way 
to where gaudy Blackpool turned into an ordinary English town, all tickety-boo housing and corner shops. I could swear that yellow dog, that two-headed dog, had followed me all the way, darting in and out of the glow of the streetlights. Alongside me, suddenly, the expanse of Leighton Cemetery with its sea of pompous Victorian memorials. I thought to hide a while in there, collect the thoughts, work out why so many of them, the ones hardest to understand, were thoughts of, thoughts of her. But on the other side of the road, by the roundabout, I caught sound of a weeping from the public toilets. The door of one of the toilets was propped open by the back of a small figure sat on the floor just inside. Some lad, little more than a boy, in a black string top and pinkish satin trousers, hair gelled into spikes. He had his face in his hands. I stepped close. I asked him what was wrong. He raised his face all tears and smeared mascara and bruises, weeping blood. Who are you? You come to give me a beating too? Come to Sunny Blackpool, get your pretty face smacked in. I only come here in the first place because they said, well, you're gay and stuck in a fucking bit village with the pit's ancient history and fuck all to do with itself otherwise, but get phobic over any poor fucker thinks there's more to life than third division football and betting on some faraway horse. Get your ass to Blackpool. It's bloody Paradise Island if you queer. Who fucking knew the same old straight bullshit would be waiting in a corner for me just off the prom? <laughs> they chased me, they did. And when I wriggled out from under the kicking and the thumping, chased me all the way up here, which is, I don't fucking know where, just the only place I could run where I wouldn't hear them howling after me no more. <laughs> They're out there somewhere still. I just called the police. Do you think they'll come? <laughs> Do you think they'll care? <laughs> what? A couple of minutes ago I called them. I've taken shit off a bunch of straight kids. Why shouldn't I take some shit off a couple of sniggering bloody police officers just to make the evening perfect? What? You? Help me. Oh, fuck it, mate. I need it. I helped him up. Eased him further into the little urine stinking toilet. Letting the door flap closed on my back. He seemed like a lost soul, this lad. Deserving of sympathy from someone less consciousless than myself. But I've been shocked just lately by the tenderness in myself and the risk it posed and the need was on me to show how safely, relentlessly monstrous I could be. I could see as I backed him against the wall between the toilet and sink that he mistook my need for his. That was fine with me. He wanted to be kissed. Embraced, loved, carried far from the cruelties and the incomprehensions of his young life. My kiss would help him forget about all of that. Puffy, you in there? Even as I was drawing the lad closer. The sound like the baying of young wolves reached us from outside. The boy tensed, huddled back against the wall. Puffy! 
You in there? You fucking queer. Hide <laughs> in the fucking shit house, you fucking white ass faggot. Hey. Hey. He said I want out of this one. The door of the next toilet in the block was kicked open. The boy quaked against me. Another door kicked open on the other side of us. Oh, lady boy. You in there? Let's see. There he is. What are you doing in there, you fucking pink-tinted pansy? Found some fucking company, have you? Fine with me. If it's a night for kicking two fucking puffs around, two for the price of one sweet fucking deal. Turn around. You fucking homo, whoever you are. Turn around and let's see the fucking sweet touch I've got for you. I turned. He saw me. His rat-like face paling around the livid scab I'd put the length of his nose earlier in the day, his bravado rocking half a step back through the doorway. Two other figures, just outside, appeared behind him. One was the ginger-haired lad who'd been with him that morning, the other a tall, gangly, stubble-headed lout, stupid eyes with malice in this set of a jaw and brow. The first lad glanced at them, realising how little choice he had but to press on, prove the man he was. But we catch up. Didn't you see us spotting your hair back on the prom? Saw you looking over your shoulder at something. Anyway, again and again, looking back and running away, running like a fucking gutless puff. I'm clocking right here. Now the gut's in me. Got a bit of warning. You were after, see? Following you, we was. Discreet, like. So you went and fucking lost your arse end of Talbot Road, only for this sweet little darling to come out stumbling out of the gay pub, tripping us up and getting what he fucking asked for. Except he ain't got it all yet. The rest coming sweet as soon as I finish what needs to be finished with your fancy man. Let me show you what I fancy doing him. He flicked out a knife and made a lunge. I grabbed hold of him, swung him round, smashed his face into the mirror above the sink. The glass cracked. Hurling him back towards the door, I heard his skin ripped on an edge of the broken glass. He collided with the others, all of them tumbling back. Stepped after them. Collectively, they stumbled back across the pavement outside, nudging one another to a fresh attack. The tall one came at me. I caught him. Hurled him head first against a brick wall of the toilet plot. The ginger-headed kid ran away around the corner of the building, leaving behind my original opponent, who tried to mop blood from his face with the back of his wrist. He was trembling, on the edge of making a forward move when a taller boy leapt upon me from behind, bloodied skull and all. I shrugged free, caught hold of him, Slammed his skull harder still against the wall of the toilet block. He slid to the wall's foot. One hand stupidly groping at his blood streaming brow. A pinkish bulge of brain leaking between two of his fingers. The other kid, seeing this, thought better of a further attack. He swayed about, started a run across the road. A car coming off the roundabout smacked into him, threw him up into his bonnet, 
bounced him off its windscreen and sent him dropping down into the middle of the road. The car continued a short distance, then stopped, its occupants plainly debating whether to lend help to the boy they had hit. You fucking bastards! I'll kill you all! He cried, bloodily from the road. The car sped away. <laughs> he realized how alone he was with me, began dragging himself up from the road surface, one leg broken, crawling and limping his way towards cemetery on the other side of the road. I was about to start after him when I heard the other kid crying for help from the patch of grass and trees and bushes behind the toilet block. A window or two lit up above the shops facing the top end of the roundabout. I strode round onto the grassy triangle. The ginger-haired boy, feeling my shadow across him, fell silent. He looked round, his lower lip trembling as he attempted to mouth some plea for mercy, a piss stain spreading darkly down one leg of his tracksuit. Mercy not being on my mind, I stepped directly up to him, seized him tight, fixed my kiss upon his lips. Shriveled and melted. So swift, the mess briefly caught light as it slid, smoking away from his bone. His soul, such as it was, sliding, kicking and pissing down into my gut. I wiped my mouth. Turning away, moving swiftly back around the front of the toilet block. The remaining kid had dragged his broken leg all the way across the road and disappeared somewhere into the vicinity of the cemetery. But the bloody spots and smears he had left on the road and the pavements weren't hard to follow. He had gone through the main gates. I stepped through them myself and started up the main driveway. But my trail veered off to the left towards the trees and the grandest of the Victorian memorials clustered that way, just within the fence. I found him, huddled at the foot of a slender obelisk, hugging his leg where a jagged portion of shin bone stuck bloodily through both his skin and his jeans. And what with the mess I had made of his face, it looked as if he were weeping blood. Fuck off. Yeah. Feed me. I'm not scared of you. I ain't scared of you. are a fucking puff. A fucking pedo. I fucking hate. Right in the. Right in the. See this? I'm a bone, is it? Fuck. My head's spinning. What you done to me, mate? What Fuck's sake. Who are you? What the fuck? Don't look at me. Not like that. Get the fuck away. I don't want to. Oh, God. 
Please, I'm just a kid. I'm just a fucking kid. I didn't mean to go, go fuck yourself, you. Mum, oh, wait till she sees this. Fuck. I need an hospital. I need... She sees... And she sat all she is worrying. Curse for fucking life I am. Fucking cow. Mum. Dumb. Dumb. I'll fucking smack you on I'll dump you. I'll kill you, mate. Don't, don't kill me. I'm frightened. I'm just a fucking kid and I'm frightened of the dark. The look, that look on you. I should have known. No! I forced a kiss on the bloody mess in his face. He twisted under me, shoving more bone clear of the flesh of his leg, and then both his flesh and his bone were bubbling curdling, melting away into the graveyard there, leaving just the wrinkling of his empty clothes upon the grass. I stood. This had been impetuous of me. The scant remains are always harder to get rid of in land than by the sea, but in a world so low and squalid, it's a pleasure sometimes to turn sharp and bite it hard. And with two souls, however lowly burning in my gut, I stood taller, Secure on my feet than when I fled the seafront, hungering without knowing what I hungered for. There was one of my assailants left, the tall lad, dead, skull, smashed, but, so to speak, unconsumed. I thought it better to leave him as he was rather than risk venturing back across that open road. What with the other boy, the assaulted one, having said he'd call the police. Indeed, I should be... But where was that boy? I saw. He stood there, not far behind me, rising from behind the tombstone he'd taken for a hiding place. I saw you there, with him, with him and the other one behind the toilet. Who are you? What did you do to them? I saw what you did. It was, I, I don't know, bloody horrendous, but... Oh, bastards they were. Bastards to me. Me and anyone like me, I'll bet. I saw it and I thought, oh, that's fucking beautiful. Beautiful, like they deserve. Are you the devil? Something like that? I believe in the devil. It's my upbringing. Didn't think he'd look like you, but who knows? The devil was an angel once, so they say. Fell a long way into a heap of shit. Picked himself up, best he could. Don't... Don't do it to me. You saved me. Saved me life, baby. My guardian angel. Don't... Please. And I might have let him go. Almost. Could I afford another Mordy? Young and male this time, of course not. Not wanting to speak a coherent sentence anyway. And yet, well, he was an innocent soul. And by that point in my lengthy career, innocence like his was an extraordinary thing as a ruby kicked in a gutter. But then I heard the sirens of a couple of police cars, the cars he had summoned, speeding towards his up Talbot Road. The boy looked that way, remembering his own phone call, and then he looked at me. 
then plainly decided which rescuer he was likelier to be safer with. He turned and he started to run. I left, caught him, kissed him. No. Killed him. The life in him swelled and broke like a puppet. But the police were stopping already, over by the toilet block. My reckless mood that evening demanded further recklessness yet to survive it. listening to Kisses in the Dark, a pod play series from Mankmade Productions and Listening Dog Media. With performances from Kyle Rowe, Pamela Mayos, Stephen Gidwani, Patrick Price and Ryan Clayton. Also starring Rhiannon Clements and Con O'Neill. Written by Marty Ross 